Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. Featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest team building podcast. What is up, everybody? It's Matt Johnson. We are back with another episode of the team building podcast, and we've got a fun episode for you today. We have no guests, so Jeff and I are off the leash, and uh, we're going to talk about leadership and where the team leaders and the leaders of any real estate team or brokerage, where do you really add value, and what does that mean to your team? What does it mean to the marketplace? What does it mean to your clients? And we're going to go deep on all of that stuff. So, Jeff Cohn. The man, the myth, the legend. What's up today? Dude, <laughs> super jacked. I love it. Off the leash, off record, mm-hmm. censored. This is going to be real. We're going to call people out today. If you're a team leader, <laughs> you probably want to go into a parking lot. You, you don't want to be driving. <laughs> oh, man. There's a, there's a great album by one of my favorite bands called Live and Very Plugged In. That's how I feel about this episode. It's a great time. I'm excited, man. This is going to be a big value. So really excited to talk about lead, you know, expectations and responsibilities and what a leader should truly do and provide to their team and all those that follow them. I have in my office, always has been on my wall, leaders serve followers mm-hmm. and choose to be happy. It's up there as well. Same thing. <laughs> Got to be happy. If you're not happy doing it, then don't do it. That's right. All right. I think on my whiteboard is written somewhere, choose to buy cookies, but that could just be me. Um, but let's, uh, let's, let's start with, uh, let's start I don't, with by the way, I don't think I've ever seen Matt Johnson eat a cookie. Ooh, wow. We have yeah. not spent enough time together then. We, we, we may have to. together though. You're really healthy. You're a healthy guy. I've seen you yeah. drink lots of coffee. <laughs> yes, that, that is, I would say coffee and, and cookies are my two vices. And and apparently cookies. I don't, I don't let cookies out well, of the, out of the, the cage very often. You've already eaten them by the time I see you. That may be true. And you That's just have the point. coffee, but the cookies, they've been put exactly. down. <laughs> they stay in the hotel. That's right. All right. So basically, we, uh, so Jeff and I put together our thoughts separately. So we have no idea what the other person is going to say. So we're going to go, I think we're going to trade off one and one, and we're going to battle a little bit on where, where team leaders really add value. So Jeff, what's your number one? And these are not in ranking in order of importance necessarily. These are just the top, some of the top three things we, yeah. we believe in about leadership. So, uh, so it's not the most important thing necessarily, but what's your first thing you want to bring yeah. up? So the first thing, rocket fuel hits it. You've got your visionary, you've got your implementer, a great CEO slash team leader, which most team leaders are the CEO of their organization, mm-hmm. finds new ideas. They're constantly upgrading. They're constantly learning and, and achieving at a higher level. They're listening to podcasts like this one. They're going to conferences. But to just have that knowledge and not share it is a waste. So they have to share it with their team through training. So the number one thing, every great leader, in my opinion, like you said, not, no particular order, but the first thing that comes to mind to me for the organizations that I see that continue to grow, and this doesn't just apply to real estate teams, it's going to be an ongoing systematic approach to training and not just training the same stuff year after year, but always upgrading your training, always making it more applicable, pertinent, so that the people that are following you are getting better and better results day in and day out. Yeah, uh, the the first thing that I thought of uh, along those same lines is one of the things where I feel like the profit margin for 
a leader, the, the, the thing that we do that creates the profit margin that we live off of is the difference between people's performance, number one, separately outside of the system that we build for them. But even within a system like real estate, the thing that gives you the profit margin versus somebody else's profit margin that's running the exact same type of business, like let's say you have a real estate team and the guy next door in the office to you has a real estate team. Right. The difference between you as the leader of your team and him as a leader of his team is can you build a better mousetrap? Can you get superior group performance out of your people, whether it's through training, whether it's through systems or whatever, but the idea is we get paid and we live off of our ability to put people in position and develop people to the point where the, we get superior performance out of them than they themselves can get out of them. Yep, perfectly said. It's the same as a personal trainer. Somebody can mm -hmm. go and work out on their own. Yeah. No one has to hire a personal trainer. I've hired lots of personal trainers, and the reason I always did was I felt they pushed me further, and I believe that the extra cost, maybe the extra time, was worth the investment because of the results I got, and it was all measurable. And the same thing mm -hmm. with real estate teams. The beauty is every agent can choose based on who's performing the best, but the teams don't usually share that. So I know last year my average agent sold 30 houses and earned $75,000. How many agents in Omaha, Nebraska last year sold 30 houses and earned over $75,000? It's a very small group. So why wouldn't everyone want to be on my team? It, it sometimes baffles me. But the answer is W-O-R-K, work. Most people don't want to have to work. We're known as the team that works really hard. What a horrible thing to be known for. <laughs> Those guys make so many phone calls and meet with so many clients and go on so many appointments. I don't yeah. want to have to do that. Yeah. Exactly. So I agree with you 100%. We all have our mousetrap. Who's built the best one? And what's interesting is when you start to talk culture, and I'm not going to have culture as one of my three, but mm -hmm. when you talk culture, sometimes one mousetrap's not a good fit for somebody, just like personal training. Maybe mm -hmm. some people want to do all CrossFit. Maybe others want to just do running and biking. Everybody has a different mousetrap, maybe that they fit in well. And so for anyone listening that's an individual agent that's on a team or maybe they don't actually love it, there's probably another team that's a better fit for you. You just have to be willing to go out and start searching to see if you can find a better fit. And eventually you might find out there's no good fit and you want to just do it on your own. And that's kind of where I was at. I was never on a team. I just started my own because I knew I, nobody was going to have a team in our marketplace that was going to fit the needs that I had personally. So today, mm -hmm. my invitation to all of my agents is build your team within mine. Let your agents and the team that you're building be part of my mousetrap. I'll keep a small percentage. They know exactly what that percentage is. It's 14% off of each of their deals if they're an 80-20 agent. The broker takes six. The agent keeps 80. Mm -hmm. And I, I share with them that they'll net more money and work less hours and have more fun doing it with me than going out and trying to do it on their own. And so right. it's the same reason when someone wants to start a pizza company, they don't go sell Matt Johnson pizza pie. They sell Pizza Hut pizza or Little Caesars pizza or whatever name brand. They choose to partner with a franchise because those mm -hmm. franchises have already figured it out. And so when an agent chooses to hitch their wagon to a team, I feel like it's a lot like a franchise. If someone's already proven themselves and they can see that proof in the Bible, they talk about by your fruits, you shall know them. They'll mm -hmm. get a little biblical. Matt always laughs when I do that because he comes from, a, I think, a preacher's family, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I served a mission for two years. You talk about the fruits. A tree grows. Some have good fruits. Some have no fruit. If you're right. trying to decide which team to go on, look at how well the agents have performed. If the agents are selling 30 houses plus and making 100 grand a year, you know that's probably a team you want to be on. If all the agents are complaining and fighting and bickering and say it's, the market's bad, that's probably a team you don't want to be on. So birds exactly. of a feather flock together. You get to pick who you fly with. 
That's right. That's right. And if a tree is not bearing fruit, Jeff, what did what did Jesus say about that? What did Jesus do about the tree that wasn't bearing rape fruit? Rape it out of the ground. <laughs> that's right. So let's all burn like it. Jesus. Let's, burn let's it. burn the teams down that aren't productive. We can mentally burn WWJD. them down. WWJD. Yes. Right. Yeah, exactly. There it is. All right. So, uh, so what? Uh, so we talk about getting superior, superior performance, superior training, uh, and building uh, systems that people can plug into. And that's what's interesting about a team is it is very similar to a franchise. Allows people to plug into a system that makes them more productive than they would be otherwise. Without what they don't realize is that you could easily charge them an upfront franchise fee for the privilege of plugging into those systems, but like traditional real estate teams don't, you can essentially join for free. Your only exchange is, hey, put in the sweat equity, at least just come here and work and do do. We're the, not do making money unless they're producing. I exactly. think it's an amazing deal. Yeah, yeah, you won't Let get us, that deal from McDonald's. No, you would never. <laughs> That's right. So I do really like that. So the next thing I would say, if we go into number two, you know, yep. a lot of agents that come on board, you're training them, and we haven't really defined what those trainings look like, and a lot of teams train on a lot of different things. I right. talk about functional training, things that an agent can go and do right now in the field today. So, of course, you have to do your new agent training, like how to fill out a purchase agreement, how to fill out a listing agreement, how to turn it in to the office, all of that stuff. But after mm -hmm. you've done a couple of deals, that's out of the way. We then talk about negotiation training. We talk about buyer presentations, listing presentations, lead generation, recruiting for teams within my team that I want to recruit. There's a lot more functional trainings that they're going to go out and do in the field. And then we have a ton of dialogue trainings that go along with our functional trainings. All of this, for those that don't already know, we make available through Elite Real Estate Systems for $17 a month. You get eight hours of my team's actual live training content every Wednesday and Friday at 10 o'clock Central. So if you want to know more about that, go out to EliteRealEstateSystems.com and click on live stream. There's tons of great information on it. So the second thing to me, Matt, is going to be lead generation. I look at the teams that, that win a big and the teams that don't. Training is obviously a big part of it but also lead gen and not just that as one component, but lead conversion. So our trainings are specific to speak to how to convert leads, not just create them. Leads in and of themselves just cost you money. It's once you've converted them that you're starting to get a positive return on investment. All right, now we're averaging a five to eight X return with our lead gen efforts. We spend $9,000 a month for 2000 leads a month, primarily coming from Google, Facebook, and Craigslist. And then we teach our agents how to spin those leads to be able to pull out about 3% conversion ratio. So I spend $330 for one converted lead. Our average commission last year was $5,400. That's a 50-50 split. I keep $2,700 of that. And my agent gets $2,700 of that from a lead that they wouldn't have had had they not been on our team. So any great person can train. Um, every great team should train, but we then also empower the agent by giving them leads and then also teaching them how to create their own, but most importantly, convert the leads. And we know every agent's individual conversion ratios, and we know our team as a whole's conversion ratio from all different lead sources. Yeah, love it. All right, so let me push back on that a little bit, because number one, I agree that in the competition for talent in the real estate industry, the competition for the, for the average agent with potential, and it's us as team leaders, brokers, yeah, even to a certain extent, coaches and consultants, like we're, we're, we are competing to serve the people that have the highest capacity to grow mm -hmm. and the willingness and motivation to do it. Right. So those are the words. So we're, we're living like a talent marketplace that we're competing for talent. <clears throat> the one thing that I see with with real estate teams and and this comes from 
David Meister's book, Managing the Professional Service Firm, which this is an amazing, amazing book. Towards the end of the book, he talks about law firms that attempt to expand into new territories and why they often fail. This is really interesting stuff. And his major conclusion was that at the end of the day, they may have a compelling reason for talent to join their team, but they don't have a compelling reason for people to hire the talent over the other talent in that local market because they're, as a firm, they do nothing to equip that talent with anything else to appeal to the client at the end other than what everybody else has. And so one of the things that I think we need to be really, really careful of in, in our plans for expansion and our, our plans for world domination is you may have a competitive advantage in the marketplace for real estate talent, but if that doesn't translate into a benefit for the end client, you're still going to have a hard time growing your firm. Now, you may have people initially join and the numbers may look good initially, but eventually it'll phase out. It'll fizzle out because if they're if you're not equipping your agents with a better, superior, unique selling proposition that they can take to their clients, there has to be some benefit to the end client of you as the firm, like expanding into new territory. So David Maester brings it all the way to the level of, okay, are you serving corporations? Do they need you to have multiple offices? Well, most of the time, no. There's literally no situation that I know of in real estate where that comes up because even when they move cross country, having them be served by a Century 21 or a Berkshire agent at the other end of the deal across the country, you can't control the quality of that deal. Really, right? I mean, you, if maybe if you're an expansion network that you have like really set systems and you offer transaction processing from contract to close for national agents, maybe you can control part of that deal. You still don't control the first half of the deal. Well, the value you is know. controlled by the training. So your agents are only going to be extent. as, as yeah. good as the training that you offer. And there's a lot yeah. of ways to track it. So like we use Real, Real Satisfied, um, mm -hmm. which is a third party surveying company, similar to um, what's that? Uh, Survey Monkey but it's designed okay. specifically for residential real estate. It's about yeah. a 20-minute survey, and it has like 100 questions. And so last year, we surveyed, we sent it out 700 of our clients. 50% took the survey. So we have 350 people's reviews, and they mm -hmm. review the agents in a ton of different categories. So mm -hmm. how strong was the negotiation skill? How competent were they of the marketplace? All these different things. And then we can see where we need to work on from a coaching standpoint for each individual agent. And we can also see where we need to work on our team as a whole based on trends that we see from the results we're getting. So if you are someone that wants to expand or you're already a broker owner that has offices in multiple locations, I would highly recommend buying a product like Real Satisfied and it requiring your admin staff to send this survey out seven days after each closing to see how your agents are performing on the ground. Because how can you know? Just having sales in and of themselves, to Matt's point, doesn't tell you that your agents are doing a great job serving the public. Sales in and of themselves don't tell you that. Surveys tell you that. Repeat business tells you that. Referrals tell you that. So if your business is just internet lead based and you don't get a lot of business coming back in, it's probably because your agents aren't providing a very great service to their clients. Yes, exactly. Good point. Yeah, and that's the thing is that we have we have two marketplaces that we're competing in. One's the one for talent and the other one is for actual clients. And we have to be mindful that if we're going to build a company that lasts or a team that lasts, we have to have a unique selling proposition for each of those two different markets. And they're two usually two different things. Like yeah. the the same like your superior ability to to get your agents to make phone calls, the client does not care about that. The client does right. not care about having you having a prospecting culture. They don't care. All that matters to them. Doesn't, if you're, there's if no you're, value to them. No. If you're a listing-heavy culture and your advantage is, hey, we pound the phones and we call FISBOs and expires, that's great. It does no value to the listing clients that you have unless you're superior at generating more buyer leads than other agents. So you have to translate like what you're good at in the competition for talent over to, okay, how does that benefit the client? So yep. that's my no second buy. one.
No, but I think it's a great second one. I say oftentimes that a team leader has two responsibilities. One is to the agents they serve, and the second is to, to the clients that their agents serve. Right. And a lot exactly of times right. teams focus is either on one or the other. To have a really high producing team, you have to have your focus on both. And I mm -hmm. feel like I've always wanted our USP, our unique selling proposition, to be unique and to be different than everyone else in our marketplace. And so today, I would say for us in Omaha, it's our buyer presentation and our listing presentation that defines us. And sharing our buyer presentation, our listing presentation, is truly the only thing we do to sell ourselves. It's what okay. we use to get our clients to know us, like us, trust us. If someone signs either of those agreements, the sale is done in a seller's market. Over 90% of the people that sign either of those documents will become closed transactions within six months. So our agent's focus is get people on the phone, get an appointment set, share a presentation, and get them to sign an agreement. Everything outside of that is automated. You can use transaction coordination, showing assistance, callers, whatever. The agent's highest income producing activity until they're a team leader is making those prospecting calls and getting people to sign exclusive agency. Once you own a team, it's recruiting. Yep. If one recruit can net you, you know, they make 100,000, you make 30,000 a year per recruit, that's gonna be your highest income producing activity. Love it. So, uh, Jeff, that was my second one. What's your third one? My third one is accountability. So Dream Manager, great book that speaks to helping people reach their full potential. We hired a success coach. I was our first success coach five years ago. We all as a team read the book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, and we got really intentional about the disc test and understanding each agent's personality types and making sure each agent did what they believed they needed to do to be successful, and then getting intentional about making sure each agent did what we believed they needed to do to be successful. And each agent on our team sets their own goals, um, their own final year in sales goals based on the type of life they wanna live and lead. And then we set a dollar amount. So if they wanna live a certain lifestyle, we'll say, okay, that's probably 100 grand a year. We get the buy-in, the agent agrees. We then reverse engineer $100,000 in our marketplace is 36 unit sales. Um, we look at their sales the year previous and design how many sales need to come from our leads, how many come from their leads, how many come from their sphere versus their own prospecting efforts. And then they have a weekly call goal, which equals equates to whatever their sales goal is for that week or that month. So to break this down, 36 sales in our marketplace to drive $100,000 of income ends up being 150 calls is one sale. So you take 150 calls, which is one sale, multiplied by 36 sales. I don't know what the number is, but I know most of my agents' call goals are around 100 calls a week, 400 yeah. calls a month, which ends up being about the three sale, at the three sale mark. So then we hold them accountable. We do it two ways. One is peer pressure, which is where we put the agents together in a, in a room, literally every single week at 10 a.m. Monday morning. And they all have to stand individually and report. What was their call goal that week? 100. How many calls did they actually make? 127. How many contacts did they have off of that call? How many new appointments did they go on? How many executed contracts did they have? How many contracts are they currently negotiating that haven't come together? And how many new listings they took? And how much time did they spend making their calls? And we've tracked those numbers for three years as a team and individually for each individual agent. Though the agent has to report that in front of everyone, and then if they have a sale, everyone claps. If they don't, I'm like punching my mic. If they don't have a sale and they haven't hit their call goal, I'll always say, why didn't you hit your call goal? The only appropriate response or excuse they can make is that they didn't respect their time block, because everyone on our team has a time on their calendar they've set aside for making their 100 calls or 50 calls or whatever it is. Right. Then they sit down face-to-face -face for 20 minutes every week with a success coach, who holds them accountable to their calls, but also holds them accountable to leading and living the life of their dreams. 
So he'll say, you know, he'll set goals to help them become as healthy as they want to be or go on a trip to Disney World at the end of the year or save money to buy their first house or whatever the case might be. And they all feel it's not about making sure they make their calls. It's about making sure that they live and live and lead the life of their dream. And by them being inefficient at respecting their time block and them not respecting themselves, they're really letting everyone around them down, including our team and their family. We let it get real heavy because it's real life and it should be heavy. And so sometimes I'll say to someone when they have not made their call goal, I'll ask them which item from their vision board, which goal, their one to five year goal, would they like to now remove? Right. And I just let it sit. I, I ask it and everyone kind of laughs and I'm never, I never laugh. I look them right in the eyes. Which goal do you want to remove? And it's like, it's a heavy, well, come on, Jeff, it's yeah. one week. It's not just one week. Yeah. You just, you just filled yourself and your family and everyone that looks. And it's true. It is that heavy. I let it be that heavy. And so to me, accountability is a big part. Obviously, I kicked it off with training, um, lead gen, lead conversion, and then accountability. And if you get those four points, you're dynamite. You're going to rock and roll. Nice. Um, so my third one is removing obstacles. So I'm a big systems guy. Everybody that pays attention to this podcast or any of the other stuff I do probably knows that. Um, my goal in managing a team is to set the system up in a certain way that makes it almost harder to do it wrong than it is to do it right. And so that can mean everything from removing obstacles and, re and removing friction from the process all the way to, you know, checks and balances and pitting one person against another so that they have, that one person has to do it right so that the other person on the team can do the next stage of their job. Just things like that. I feel like there's, there's a lot of things that we can think about that we probably spend a lot of time talking about and trying to enforce through talking and persuasion that we could build a system of accountability and checks and balances that solve a lot of those issues for us. And like as a leader, it's my responsibility to put in, how would you call it, like the mental effort, the time, the pain, the mental thought processes to figure out the system that makes it easier for them to do it the right way rather than just coming down from on high and saying, this is the end result that I want you guys go ahead and, and figure it all out, right? Now you've got in, in the, the rocket fuel model, you've got like your visionary and then you've got your integrator, right? But the visionary is still responsible for who the integrator is and whether they're good at integrating, right? So ultimately, if you're the visionary, you still can't abdicate the responsibility for the fact that yes, you set the vision, but you your people still need to have clarity on tactically, what am I doing today to carry out the vision that you've set or the vision that I have for my own life. And so whether it's you that's setting the tactics or whether you have an integrator and they're setting the tactics, ultimately you at the top, you're always 100% responsible for whether the person at the very bottom, like any, any seat in your organization, you as the leader are responsible for whether or not they know exactly what to do and are they operating in a system that makes it easier for them to do it the right way than to do it the wrong way. Yeah, no, I like that. You know, I think a challenge is, and I'd like to know some of the controllers that you're talking about, because for some of us listening, you know, there's so many moving pieces in a real estate transaction. The servicing part is the part that takes the majority of the time. Um, I would say servicing a lead from the first meet to a seller or a buyer to the day they go under contract. To me, that's mm -hmm. the servicing part. A lot of the other functions can be off, you know, output by somebody else. You can have some a transaction coordinator, showing assistance, a lot of different people that can do that. There's a lot of moving pieces on the servicing end that are, un, I feel, I would call uncontrollable. Um, going out and showing property. In Omaha, Nebraska, it snows and you can't show for two weeks or right. there's no property available on a certain price point. Mm -hmm. So how do you control the uncontrollable? Right. 
It's a great question. Um, I think in those cases, uh, I mean, I have clients that, you know, they, they, through various reasons, sometimes it's their fault, sometimes it's not, they, they do things or circumstances come up where they can't fit into the regular system that we have set up. Now, the first time that it happens, that's fine. There's always going to be something that comes up that you couldn't foresee. The second time that it comes up and we're still unprepared, that's my fault, right? So it's, and of course, if you have a rock star admin or operations person or transaction coordinator, you can start putting the responsibility on them to develop contingency plans. But realistically, once you hit those first, you know, the obstacle that second time, and you know it's something that's gonna come up again, if you don't develop a checklist and a contingency plan for that, that you as a leader, like that's your fault, yep. right? I mean, if you, I'm a huge, huge fan of, uh, of football as we both are, and, and not just Husker football, but just football coaching. And I love looking at the way coaches operate. I'm a big like Bill Walsh and, and Bill Belichick fan and like just the whole coaching tree that goes back to Bill Walsh. And I watched um, a documentary of uh, the, what was it? A, um, a football life, the ESPN docs on Bill Walsh. And they're talking about how he scripted plays. He would script first. It was five, then it was 10, 15, then it was 25. But the thing, once you get in deeper into football coaching, you realize that that he didn't structure it is like, Hey, we're going to run these straight 25 plays. These are the first 25 plays of the game we're going to run. No, no. It was, well, if this goes well, then we have this other branch. And then if this goes, if it doesn't go well, like he had contingency plans for everything. Um, Bill Belichick in the, the Super Bowl against the Seahawks is a great example. The defensive back that intercepted that pass at the end said after the game, oh, I knew that was going to happen. Because hmm. Bill Belichick in the defensive players meeting, him and the defensive coordinator brief them on, hey, when they're in this formation, watch out for this pass over here to this side of the, whatever it was they knew wow. in that formation what was going to happen in that play and that's why he intercepted that ball wow. so that's a great leader that was the difference between winning a super bowl and not that's awesome yeah so that's that's the way i think about it so if you if it's the first time you've come across it you know shame on the weather shame on right. whatever the second time right. it comes up if you're not prepared shame on you yep well, and there's a lot of examples of things that agents need to be doing to be prepared. And unfortunately, unfortunately, the onus is on the leader. Um, it's yeah. top down. Um, Extreme Ownership's a great book that speaks to yeah. this. Jocko, uh, ex Navy SEAL. Uh, I just got done. I, I just came from a cruise the last seven days. I wish I had the book behind me. I don't remember what it's called. You may have seen it. It's a sec. It's another book he had written. Just a black. It's black, and it just has a lot of his thoughts. Mm. Um, it's almost poetic, I would say. And he has all these different topics that he speaks to, but it's, he's, it's all about extreme ownership and taking ownership of anything that goes wrong. My quick share on that is I had an agent call me up a couple of months ago. I have like 150 houses out in the market right now with listing uh, listed with lock boxes. And an agent called and chewed my butt because one of our lock boxes had died. Like there's a battery in the, in the blue lock box. Okay. I didn't even know that. I thought they Holy like charged <laughs> from the sun. Evidently, this battery was dead, Matt, and it okay. was my fault. And I had just yeah. read Extreme Ownership, and instead yeah. of arguing, which I like to yes. do, and have it would have been fun to do, do. Yeah, yeah. I accepted ownership and apologized and asked if I could buy the purchase the buyer a fifty dollars gift card to the restaurant of their choice for making them sit in the driveway for fifteen minutes. And the agent was aghast, like shocked like that i responded that way and took ownership dude yeah it is my responsibility but right i didn't even know that was something like i wanted to make all these excuses <laughs> but like it's my fault i should yeah. have sent my sign runner to every yeah. listing to make sure that the batteries were charged on the lot apparently <laughs> and so there all of us have stupid stories like that of things that like we're like oh come on that's not my fault it was my fault right. 
And it was cool that I've read the book and like owned it and to see the reaction. She didn't make, she's like, you don't have to buy a gift card. That's ridiculous. Like she went from pissed to like appreciative in mm-hmm. five seconds. Like it was, it was amazing the difference and how cool would it be if we all just owned it? Like a cop pulls us yeah. over and we're like, yeah, I was speeding. I was in a bad mood and I'm racing. Oh, like, I don't know about every- that. I'm not, no, never, never go that speed, far. Jeff. Come on, yeah, go on, can't go that far. I think it would so, be I don't think awesome was talking about that. if we all just started owning things. And I think that's a sign <laughs> of a true leader is just owning every failure, even when they're not yours to own. It's okay. fun to try to own it. Like It's almost narcissistic, which I might skirt the line of narcissism, to think when Matt Johnson fails in San Diego, it was my fault. If he had a failure, right? Or if a friend of mine falls on his bike in Ohio, it was my fault you fell. And like, it's kind of funny. You try to own it all. You must have been listening to my podcast. It's your fault or it's my fault that you fell over on your bike. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's my third one. I think we've gone through everything. Uh, this, is a, this is a ton of fun. This is exactly what I, what I had in mind. Uh, so let's, let's finish up. Um, upcoming workshops and fun stuff and announcements and all that good stuff. And then maybe we'll see if we've got any questions. Guys, if you guys are watching us live here on Facebook, uh, and if you're listening to this after the fact, you can actually watch this on the Elite Real Estate Systems Facebook page. So, but if you're with us right now, guys, we'd love to hear from you what your perspective is. How do you add value? How do you add value to your team? Even if your team is an assistant or a buyer's agent, I don't care. If, you, if it's just one person, you're a solo agent team with one person, let us know how you add value. We'll, we'll cover that at the end. Um, yeah, man, I think that's a big, a big uh, request too. Like you guys, we do this live and we do it live so that anyone can jump on and ask questions live which I think mm-hmm. makes our podcast really unique. Most podcasts are recorded. Um, they're not, they don't open to the live audience so that they can edit. We don't do post editing. You get yeah. us raw and uncensored for real. We do a pretty good job staying, keeping it pretty yeah, straight. Depends on, how, <laughs> depends on how uncensored we're talking, Jeff. We try not to bring Greg on too often on yes. this show. I know exactly. he lets it go a little bit, which is fine. But um, one invite I would like to express to anyone that likes these podcasts and is getting a lot of values, come check us out live and ask one or two questions. Engage with us. Disagree with us. If you don't like us, Post up some really disagreeing comments. Matt will share them. I think it'd be fun. I know. I was, I was actually disappointed, Jeff. Like I built a whole a whole website page for my other for my other web uh, podcast that was going to yeah. be a, like a wall of haters. We oh, don't get enough hate mail what? to fill it up. I know. Oh, so guys, so man. let the let the negative comments come out, guys. Let them come out. It's fun to have. I just want opposing views. You know, Matt and I were mm-hmm. supposed to argue more even about these topics, and we did. It's very but. disappointing. I know. It's fun, though, to have some pushback. So if someone disagrees with something, disagree. We'll share it with our entire audience. We're not scared to disagree. Uh, the fruit. The fruit proves that what we're talking about is right most of the time, so I'm not right. too concerned about having people disagree with us. But I would I would challenge anyone listening, come to watch us live. It's every Wednesday, uh, 10 or 11 a.m. Central Standard Time, and that's on Elite Real Estate Systems Facebook page. And we have a public page. Everyone's welcome to be, uh, join it. It's just Elite Real Estate Systems. Upcoming events, we have been doing really well with our workshops. We have an all-day, very, very detailed workshop that takes people through the process of what our team has learned over the last six years to go from 80 to 700 unit sales. We did uh, about 700 units and 140 million last year, and uh, that's about with 50 agents. And we're letting agents have teams within teams. This year, we started Virtual Agent, which is an agent that doesn't ever come into the physical office space. Uh, we have a lot coming up with different events. I'm speaking, if you're in, in or around the Arizona area, Boomtown is hosting um, their first workshop with one of their affiliate partners, which is me, uh, representing Elite Real Estate Systems on January 25th and January 26th. I'll be speaking there. Even if you're not a Boomtowner, you're welcome to come and participate in some of that event. 
Um, if you want to instant message me personally, I can get I can fill you in more if you're wanting to go to that. I think the fee was like ninety dollars or something. Um, I'll also be speaking at Boomtown Unite. If you are a Boomtowner and are going to be going to that, come check it out. And then I'm also speaking at the Berkshire Hathaway um, Team Track. I have five different keynotes at Berkshire Hathaway's annual uh, meeting in San Antonio this year. If you are a Berkshire Hathaway agent, be sure to check that out. Um, as far as workshops, we host a workshop once a month, January 22nd, next Monday is our next workshop. I don't know the dates, February, March, April, but they're all posted up on our website. You can find those at EliteRealEstateSystems.com. It's $29.97 to go to our workshop. You can bring a guest. You get access to our Google Drive, which is a $1,000 product on its own. You also get access to an eight-hour team-building workshop video that we created. So once you've come to the workshop, you, you get access to that video. You can watch it a million times, share it with you know your team, your admin, et cetera, if you want to. Uh, but the product we're most excited about is our live stream product. So I mentioned the $17 a month product. We also have one designed for team leaders that are wanting to scale and build a real estate team. It's $4.97 a month. You get 10 seats in the Wednesday, Friday product. And then the team leader gets to get on a call every Thursday with myself or Andy Cuny at 10 a.m. Central. And we talk big picture on how to scale and build a successful and dominant real estate team. And you get a weekly success call right now with Andy Cuny. We're, we have a few coaches we're going to be hiring here in the next couple of weeks. We have over 55 clients that are in that product right now, uh, the $4.97 a month product, and we expect to be around a couple hundred by the end of 2018. So would love to have people check that out. Again, you can find all this information out on our website. Nice. Awesome. And then uh, for the podcast itself, make sure to subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, or Stitcher, depending on whether you want video or audio and what kind of device you have. You can get the uh, the audio versions. Our best to subscribe on the podcast app on your iPhone for most of you. That will make it the easiest. That way you wake up every morning and you can check for fresh podcast content. And every week you get an episode from us. Um, so yeah, other than that, that's all I've got to say. Make sure to always go to EliteRealEstateSystems.com for everything. You can watch the back episodes. We've got some killer, killer guests on the show. We have them on every week, except for uh, weeks like this where Jeff and I hop on or I hop on with Andy and we talk about, you know, one topic of building out or scaling a team like and we go super in depth. We also talk with some of the top uh, operations and sales managers, uh, similar to the roles that we have on Jeff's team there. Uh, we talk to some of those same people from around the country on other top teams. So if you have an operations person, if you have an integrator in your team, if you have a sales manager or success manager on your team, make sure that they're listening to the show as well, because we obviously pair up and we talk a lot about their roles and how to succeed at what they do, not just the team leaders. So that, let's, let's uh, put a nice little bow on this one, Jeff. This has been a lot of fun. And um, yeah, we'll see everybody on the next one.